Welcome to our special weekly episode, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share founder stories or those who simply inspire me. I'd like to thank NatWest, Dell, Three and Royal Mail for joining us in supporting the small business community and helping to bring this free podcast to life. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going, you won't need to bring Welcome to episode 12. I suspect you've noticed it already, but whilst the media is dominated by COVID, we're moving our discussions very much towards the future. The last few months have been a stark reminder that some things are just out of our control. But we've also realised that there are fundamentals of our lives and businesses that are very much within our power and can allow us to thrive. In this episode, I'll be focusing very much on those elements that we can control, albeit in very different forms. The first, supercharging our social media presence with Catherine Tyler, co-founder of Digital Mums. And the second, how we can determine our mindsets and build our own happiness with Samantha Clark, author of Love It or Leave It. Both conversations are driven by incredibly passionate, brilliant women. And I think you'll really love this episode episode and leave feeling rejuvenated and fully armed with a renewed focus. So the first guest I welcomed was Catherine Tyler, the co-founder of Digital Mums. She's an absolute fountain of knowledge, full of passion, energy and all-round fun. And I thought this live was particularly informative and full of useful tips and advice from someone who really knows her stuff. Digital Mums and their ethos is aligned with Holly & Co and our way of thinking, both mission-led businesses with women at the helm. They have such a huge amount of free resources available to you. But also, as Catherine mentions, you can hire Digital Mum alumni. I mean, what a brilliant resource to supercharge your business. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, it's so nice to see you. Tell us then, small businesses. So we had Pip Jameson from The Dots come on and she was fantastic. And so many of our audience um, didn't quite realise that they could go and get a freelancer to help them with their graphic designs, their copy, their all those things. Mm-hmm. Tell us then, for small businesses watching now, Ultimately, that's what people can do. They can come to you and find someone to help them with their social media. Yes, so we have probably about 2,000 women, and they're not just media experts now. Some of them have gone on to study other areas of digital marketing, so they can offer, you know, a whole spectrum of services. There's something to work for all small businesses, no matter what their budget, because some small businesses, realistically, they just cannot afford to access their social media to a social media manager, of course, you know, totally understandably. But what they are potentially doing is spending a lot of time on social media and doing the wrong thing. So for those types of businesses, I'd encourage them to hire someone from our alumni just to help them with the strategy. Or we've got a lot of people that also offer and deliver training. But it might also be if you are realising how long it takes you, then maybe you are in a position to start to outsource to someone who can pick up that and do that for you as a role. 
that is often one of the first pe- first roles that people will hire from. And yeah. we now have an exclusive partnership with a company called That Works For Me. They actually wanted to call themselves Work That Works, but then they realized that we'd already trademarked that. They were a bit like, oh, can't, can't use that one. Uh, so then That Works For Me. And we basically flirted with the idea of having our own jobs board in the back in the day. It's a whole other business. So no, oh have- gosh, I know. Me too. I was like, oh, not having yeah. that. <laughs> we, and we were already, you know, me and my work wife in the hamster wheel trying to keep the sort of training business going. So yes. they just felt like the perfect harmonious company for us to have a partnership with. So if you go on their site, you can now hire our alumni members for the social media strategy or outsourcing or maybe you just want to do paid ads or whatever and all of that's going to be on your website correct that people can yeah, find so out more the digitalmums.com website there's a tab that just says hire so if you're looking to hire someone you just click the hire tab and then we will just forward you on to that works for me who've got a platform and you can post your job and you can find one of our alumni to help you Um, Tell me about what you're thinking about flexible working. And I think it's an interesting one. Um, Holly & Co now has shut its offices and everyone now will be remote remote working forevermore. Um, What I then did is create core hours because I do think there's an element where when you're working on projects, you need to know where everyone is. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not efficient to not have these core hours, but then actually having the flexibility around those core hours. Yeah, four hours, I think, is is brilliant because you're right. You do want to know as a business owner, senior leader, manager, etc., that people are on at key times. And we generally do a 10 to 2 core hour policy. But outside of those, it's completely up to them how they manage to get and meet their outputs. Um, Catherine, I've got a couple of, I've got a question of a few comments. One of a kind club, core hours is so efficient. Empowering staff and trust is key. Um, The brand informer has asked you, can I ask how you improve content for sales purposes without sounding boasty? (laughs) Oh, I love that. Such a, can I just say that is such a British question no american would ever ask that so this really depends on your brand and your tone of voice because there is nothing wrong with being boasty and really bigging up yourself and i think sometimes british people feel a little bit embarrassed about that um if you've got more of an authentic brand where you feel like your audience might see through that a little bit then i think the best way to start trying to be boasty without coming across as overly boasty is to get your customer voice in there so if you yes. generally have got great products why not try and get user generated content from your customers whether it's reviews testimonials or if you have products for example like ikea is such a fantastic example of this so if you buy ikea stuff and put it in your house they will often share your content of your of you know their products looking beautiful in your garden because that's that's what people want to see we all know how much ikea spend on a photo shoot so we're a little bit skeptical that it's going to look that good but when you see that sharon down the road and how amazing her garden looks yeah. you know yeah. my garden already then that is the absolute best way and from a, a marketing and sales tactic there is no beating customer generated content so that would be my top tip there really you know the community and your loyal customers are one of the most important commodities of your company um and so tell me what's your relationship with building communities is it facebook for one side of things is it instagram for another like have you got some sort of 
overarching ideas of how it's best to build communities digitally? Um, I mean, where you house your community, I think, is is less the issue. There's lots of different options there, but I think the first step in having a bit more of a customer-centric viewpoint is to see your customers as a community and a potential loyal community that is all about authentic relationships and not about just trying to sell products to someone. And I think that's been one of the biggest marketing shifts in the last 10 years with the advent of social media. And I think people make the mistake of thinking that social media is a broadcast media, a little bit like advertising, and it is not. So if you are consistently just broadcasting your marketing and sales messages, rather than having actual, authentic, and honest and transparent conversations with people on social media, you're not quite getting social media. You're sort of doing uh, old-fashioned tactics on a very different platform. And if you look at Innocent, I know loads of people will talk about Innocent on Twitter, but they are the perfect example. So they do obviously talk a bit about their products, but they're having all sorts of conversations about all manner of different things on there. And um, it's not random, so they're not going to go and have a conversation about something completely unrelated to what their brand really stands for. But, you know, when it's festival season, they start engaging in and around conversations around festivals. And it's not about orange juice or smoothies. However, people, when they're then going staggering, you know, with their bleary eyes to go and get their morning coffee or whatever, might also get an innocent smoothie. Well, innocent is a great example, isn't it? Um, Tell me, um, Catherine, in this time, it's been actually quite uh, an exceptional time, hasn't it? You know, when you think about what you were just saying about your authentic message out there, they're going through a pandemic. And then now we are also dealing with the incredible Black Lives Matter call to action. I do think some businesses, from what I'm seeing, small businesses are finding it harder than ever to almost find their voice. Yeah, so the first thing that I would say is that you can't fake it. So you need to be authentic. So I saw, and I won't name and shame, but there is a female health-focused magazine that did the classic, you know, Black Square. And... People came on and said, well, this is all well and good, but a tiny, tiny fraction of your front covers have had you know, diverse representation. What are you going to do about it? And so everyone was a bit like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, they did a really fantastic job because they actually just came and said, yeah, you're right. And we, uh, we need to do more. And I've seen a real shift in what they've been doing since they said that. So there's no good trying to position yeah. yourself with this movement over there whatever this movement is over there if you are not really taking it seriously and you're not really doing anything so I think you have to be authentic um but in terms of then how do you do it in an authentic way what are you also let's face it you are still a business that you do still manage to try and talk about your products and services uh, you know it's difficult so one of the pieces of advice I gave sort of around when the pandemic first started is just put together a statement and just say this is, you know, awful. And this is kind of what we're doing and struggling with right now. We're really, you know, constantly thinking about what our customers are struggling with, having that empathy, which is so important, I think, in all of these conversations we've been having. Just really understanding what they're likely to be struggling with. Just, you know, pause, reflect, look at what you've got scheduled. Might be good to just not do anything for 24 hours until you've just really sat down and understood what's happening put together a statement and have a little bit of a crisis plan. For example, if someone does come and call you out for whatever reason around the Black Lives Matter protest, 
what are you going to say? Hold your hands up. That's all you can do as a brand. Because I saw someone handle it really badly and got really defensive. And then it all just started mm. on Instagram. I felt so sorry for her, but I just thought, if only, if, you know, maybe you don't have a PR agency you could speak to, just maybe run it past a friend. I think that's such great advice. And I think that that's the key thing there is, isn't it? Just do not bullshit this because actually saying, you know, I have messed up or no, not necessarily messed up. I, I, I'm learning. I'm doing this. Will you help me? Um, having that, that is very much building your community. Um, and I think that that's what will stand small businesses apart from the larger companies. And I think another thing that small businesses are worried about is getting it wrong. And I do think it's quite a female thing as well, you know, getting it wrong. And that we slightly it's a bit like fear maybe of finance and fear of tech and fear what what is that because ultimately we fear this getting it wrong well I, I think that you sort of picked up on that female angle and you know it comes down to a lot of uh, imposter syndrome feelings around running a business I think when you run a business you need to be just you need to have skills across such a wide range of areas mm. I mean we're all about mm. lifelong learning at Digital Moms and there is no greater learning experience than setting up and running a business. You know, and I don't always want to be so gender stereotyped, but given that we do know women can suffer from confidence issues and imposter syndrome, then suddenly that fear can be slightly debilitating and you do not move forward. Um, and so there's things that you can do to work on that. And I think the first thing, you know, not everyone can afford coaching, but just reflecting. We talk a lot at Digital Mums about like the zones of learning, fixed mindsets, growth mindsets. And one of the things we're talking about at the moment a lot is moving through into, out of your comfort zone, into the kind of fear zone where you do that thing where you just think you're making excuses or you get, someone becomes your bad object or you know, you're just really angry, but really you're just feeling quite fearful and then you push through that so that you're in the learning zone and then you push through that again so that you're in the growth zone and I think when you're running a business and more where you can be I think the more mm. you can tap into how to push forward and start to feel more confident about making these kinds of decisions because you know it can be scary world running a business as you and I know. Just so much advice packed into 10 minutes there. Our whole conversation was 40 minutes and I could have honestly chatted to her for much, much longer. So do check out the full video over on my IGTV. Each week, NatWest give away their ad break space on conversations of inspiration. And now when small businesses need our support more than ever, they have extended this opportunity across this podcast special. And if that wasn't enough, if you want to win a one-to-one 90-minute mentoring session with me, well, thanks to NatWest, now you can. All you need to do is sign up to the NatWest Business Builder using our code to be in with a chance. The Business Builder is an entire free e-learning site packed full of information and advice covering everything from well-being to finance. Head to natwestbusinesshub.com forward slash Holly Tucker to find out more details. Now over to this week's brilliant independent ad break winner. Pouring a glass of something delicious to mark the end of a long day is a relaxing ritual familiar to many of us. It's certainly one that's more associated with hedonism than with healthy choices but not anymore. I'm Bethan and I'm the founder of Mother Root, the revitalising non-alcoholic aperitif designed to be your new downtime ritual that's secretly good for you. 
As a busy mum of two, I was looking for an evening drink to enjoy but still feel fresh for the inevitable 6am toddler wake-up call. So when I came across an old American drink called a Switchel, I completely fell in love. Mother Root is my modern twist on this old-school recipe. It's an all-natural blend of ginger, blossom honey and organic apple cider vinegar, crafted to be enjoyed as a refreshing spritz with ice and soda at the end of your day, preferably with your feet up. Mother Root is available in many wonderful delis and Michelin star restaurants in the UK, as well as through my website, www.motherroot.london. Fans of Holly can receive £5 off your first order. Just enter Holly5 at checkout. For all the latest news, simply follow us on Instagram at motherrootldn. The next guest I welcomed this week was Samantha Clark, a happiness consultant. But before we dive into her chat, I wanted to revisit the brilliant Fern Cotton and her view on what happiness means to her. This clip is taken from her much anticipated talk at the Congregation of Inspiration 2019. Fern is at the very start of building her brand after many years in the public eye. Not an easy thing to do, but I do believe she's building a brand of the future. She joined us to talk about happiness and how it is the new metric for success. I want to touch on a stat that I opened up the day with. The World Health Organization predicts, crazily, by next year, depression will be the second leading cause of disability in the world. Mm. And a recent study into happiness reveals that since 2012, the average person in the UK has become 36% wealthier but only 3% happier. So ultimately, we're heading towards a pretty bleak picture if these stats are to go by. So happiness is important full stop, and we know that. Was there an element of future-proofing yourself um, when picking this area? As there is no doubt about it that building a brand outside your TV career was a smart idea, but picking on something like happiness, it's quite a hard thing to commoditize, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's a very nebulous subject matter all round. And, and when I had released Happy into the wild, I did still, I was still kind of half in the trap of, oh, I really need it to be on TV. That would make it complete. Yeah. So let's go and talk to all the TV companies. Mm, it's too nebulous. Mm, you know, and I'm thinking, well, yes, but it's also like a universal thing that yeah. we're all it's hoping important. for. It's quite important, but still it's seen as kind of no one can really pin down what it is, how it comes about, and, you know, and, and there is no real science to it. I think there are things that help to be aware of, like um, happiness isn't a final destination. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not going, right, if I build this massive business and then I can put all my kids through school and then maybe um, we'll have a nice holiday every year, whatever, that doesn't mean that in 30 years' time I'm going to be happy relentlessly and yes. it won't be omnipresent so happiness. And it comes yeah. out. Yeah, it's not going to like a big it. chunk of happiness. I think... The acceptance is, it is fleeting, it comes and goes. I think that's just for a regular person going about their life. It's fleeting for anyone. doesn't matter if you're Brad Pitt in a mansion with a big movie star career and loads of awards, or you work in a supermarket. It is the same. It is fleeting, it comes and goes. But the thing, the time when you do have to look at it is if you are feeling deeply, deeply unhappy all the time. Then I think it's time to look at your life, the people around you, the situation you've ended up in, and why. And that's certainly where I was at at a period in my life where it just felt bleak and dark and inescapable and I knew I needed change. 
So I think that's the bit we need to look at. When, if you are just going about your everyday life and you, kind of, you have up and down, you know, good days, bad days, brilliant. That's life, you know. Mm, yeah. As soon as we start thinking out the box that some people out there are the exception to that rule in TV land or the music world or wherever it is that we look to that we, that we admire... As soon as we start thinking that those people are just happy all the time and have these beautiful lives where everything pans out, we're, we're totally ruining our own chances of feeling any happiness because yeah. it's so unattainable. Always comparing. We're always comparing. And it has to be a bespoke practice. It has to be what works for you. It's usually the simple stuff. It's not about money. It's not about stuff you can get. It's not about um, the partner you're with. It's none of that. It's simple, everyday things that just keep you ticking along, like going for nice walks, um, you know, like texting a mate you love every day, uh, cooking, doodling, whatever lovely little mm. things, I think, give you little moments of just even contentment or feeling okay, that's what we should be looking towards. And then on the flip side, if you are in a very low place all the time, then there's opportunity to look at how you might ask for help professionally or within your circle and, and what changes you might be able to make to go in a different direction to see if that works. Fern is always such a brilliant guest. She is so open and was kind enough to share her journey on our podcast last year. And as a little secret surprise, if you're a listener to Fern's Happy Place podcast, you might hear a familiar voice on Monday as I'm her guest. So as I mentioned, the second guest I welcomed was Samantha Clark. And with the title of happiness consultant, I knew before we'd even got started that I was going to hang off her every word. And I wasn't wrong. The author of Love It or Leave It, Samantha shared so many brilliant hacks and insights into fulfilling our own happiness. But what really resonated with me was the fact that ultimately, we are responsible for our own happiness. And it is down to us to identify what makes us happy, what we are missing, and ensure our own happiness tank is kept full. Hi, Samantha. Um, we are recording on Zoom today because you and I did a live. It was fantastic. But um, because we were Mercury retrogrades, um, technology decided to play a trick on us, didn't it? So thank you so much for us speaking again. And it's just really nice to um, chat to a happiness consultant and change maker. I mean, what titles do you have? I, I love it. I think they're just all titles that just get me happy pumped every day I love what I do so it's very fitting and I think we should all create our own happiness titles really yeah I, I completely agree I remember when I created a title called chief inspirator yeah. and uh, everyone decided that that was a terrible title and I thought it was absolutely fantastic I think we need more chief inspirators yeah totally <laughs> I feel like we're of an age now where we're all trying to bring all of ourselves to our work. And I think, you know, if you are that inspirator, I believe in having a purpose umbrella. And under that umbrella sits all the things that you love. So I feel like I'm a connector of dots. I love to being a catalyst for great ideas. I love to support people to be their best. And I think happiness uh, consultant and change maker really does infuse all of that. 
So tell me, we are still in the lockdown period. Um, it's been a really interesting time, hasn't it? Because it's this wake up call. It's a way of sort of maybe um, spring cleaning the way that we think. And I include myself in this because, you know, it's been a time where a lot of founders haven't really asked themselves what makes them happy ever. And I read that you studied um, the model of happiness. Can you just share with us a bit how helping others to find happiness has been your own path? Yeah, so I I think... Um... We're in a really interesting time where people are taking a step back and they're thinking, you know, is this the best way that I can be working or how do I believe that I can only work in one way and what is it I think I can't change? And we're becoming so much more attuned to our mental, our physical well-being and what we want. And I think, you know, when we look at the New Zealand Prime Minister is really trying to put well-being at the heart of her Uh, community and her country I think we are moving towards more of these facets of what we want for our lives and when I think about my journey becoming a happiness consultant you know I started off in advertising and you know I was working with sugary cereals and things that just didn't light me up and I felt to myself is this it is this what I'm supposed to be doing is this what I've spent years at uni studying for and I took myself away in the evenings to really kind of answer those questions like, can I be creative? What does creativity mean? What else could I do? So I started to hack my skills in different way. And a lot of what I teach my clients to do now is like put it all out there and then start piecing it together again. And then I got my first kind of happiness job per se uh, with a tech company. And so I said to them, you've got a team here that you want to grow remotely but uh, you're not really listening. You're not really attuned to what's not working. And I think we need to do something around culture and happiness here. So I became the head of happiness. And then I decided to branch out on my own as a happiness consultant. So really giving people that sense of agency to think in my life, how do I want to work? How do I want to serve? And how do I want to be on purpose? And so that's where I am today. And we, we, we all strive to be um, happy. And I spoke to Fern Cotton about happiness and what it means to her. And I realized is that happiness is just, it is just so deeply personal, isn't it? You know, what fills some people with joy um, just raises a smile to somebody else. Um, mm. How do you think we can identify what makes us happy you know because I was you know and I think you know I'm 43 and I think that some stage once you've done potentially kids are getting older and you're trying to find your way in life there's almost this second time especially for women that they sort of look at themselves and say I I don't know what happiness even is you know I exist I serve I make everything happen I'm a I'm brilliant but I don't know who I am potentially anymore. How, how, how can we find our identity again? Yeah, and it's so poignant that you touch on that because I do experience a lot of clients who, you know, have said, actually, I feel like I've just been running on autopilot for the last five, ten years. And it's like I've been giving and serving and uh, putting myself out there first and not really resonating and connecting. And so I think for me, there is um, a nice little formula that I try and help people think about. And I think the first way we can really get into understanding a bit more about ourselves is following these kind of seven steps is thinking, okay, 
Um, it's called Be Happy. So it's following this kind of journey of the B is being present and aware. You know, what is going on with me? How do I feel? The relationship I have with myself, the relationship I have with other people, the relationship that I'm having with work and also my home, you know, is my home setting up where I feel frictionless? It feels effortless to me. Um, E is about that kind of exposure and really interpreting like when you have that fear of asking for help or where you don't feel you can be honest and be all bring all of yourself to the situation. Because when we're wearing a mask or we're hiding or we're trying to pretend to be something we're not, this is also a massive cause of friction and happy and disease and, and um, unhappiness. So, hey, is for hang up and I really think that if we can take a moment and understand um, how we combat stress how we think about stress and what we can put down you know um, and so when you take a moment again to be present with yourself and do things like a body scan and think about your breath and your energy and your posture and you know check in with your body what's hurting, what's working, what needs moving and how you can alleviate some of that stress. Cause if you don't, it builds into bigger problems later on. And also wondering, you know, for you, maybe stress doesn't appear in a physical, it could be cognitive. You could be forgetting things. Um, it could be behavioral. Maybe you're shouting back at your coworker or your partner, your child. Um, so really look at how it plays out for you and what you will do to circumvent that uh, and, and put things in place. A is about appreciation. So appreciating all of who you are and all the gifts that are around you. And I don't think, especially women, take the time to hear the things that they're amazing at or ask for feedback. You know, asking what is it that you are grateful for? Like, what are the kinds of things that you value about me? When was the last time we asked anybody that question, you know? And I think we need to hear that sometimes to think, not in the pompous way, but just to recognize yeah. that we're here with our gifts and we are so incredible and unique. And I think the two Ps are about plugging the gaps or identifying your skills and thinking, which ones am I not using enough? Sorry, Picking the skills was the skills one, but plugging the gaps is identifying your relationships, which relationships in your lives really support you, uplift you, um, give you, make you feel like you're flying and which ones perhaps actually it's very tenuous. And I think the last one is so powerful when it comes to your happiness is your words. How are you talking about yourself to yourself, to other people? And how are you encouraging people to treat you? Because we do train others via our words. And I think all of this kind of encapsulates that kind of constant journey to discovering yourself and to knowing what's working and what isn't and really crafting your happy space. Gosh, I absolutely love this because I was just thinking the other day that, you know, I was almost self-congratulating myself in a weird, well, I thought it was weird. I didn't want anyone to hear what was going on in my mind because we do have this sense, don't we, that is, is it egotistical? We use the word ego, don't we, really in a negative way. I mean, we all know idiots who are egotistical and, and all that. But I think ego is really an important structure and foundation to any entrepreneur to start with. I mean, I've, yeah. you, you have to believe in what you're doing. Otherwise, no one else is going to believe you. Yes. And I think, you know, it's that sense of 
Like this is my stake in the ground and this is what I believe in. And I know that I'm really good at it. And if I'm not in some areas, I will find help and I will find the support that I need to help me levitate to that next step. But you cannot because the entrepreneurial journey is going to shape and refine you like some other diamond, like you've never known. If you don't have that solid internal grounding, it will blow you apart. And Mm -hmm. so really taking that time to think, you know, what am I built of? What am I made of? Um, What do I know that I can do really well? And actually, if I can identify those gaps, how will I start to seek the support systems, the skills, the training, the software to kind of help me get to that next step? But you have to congratulate yourself because oftentimes it is you alone until the wee hours of the morning working away on maybe your accounts or your stocks or you know whatever and if you don't have your own back nobody else can do that for you so much self-awareness is required and from my personal experience when running not on the high street and i think a lot of small businesses have exactly the same thing i always move the goalposts like i never you know, I, I sort of had these dreams and would set the dreams as the goals. I chased them down and then I basically would get there and just move them again. And so I basically was eternally, you know, on this sort of journey of never smelling the roses, always looking at what I hadn't achieved. And sort of, and I'm sure so many people listening would actually empathize with that. In your view, how can you set goals? to maximize your happiness like is there a way that you can actually monitor this and actually be consciously conscious that you are moving these goalposts goals are there to get us you know fire started on this journey and um and then sometimes we can become entrapped by them as well or they can be like uh, things that we can't grasp onto And um, I like to set goals sometimes in terms of two ways, like thinking about it as a ladder. And so there is like, you know, the overarching goal that you're thinking about. And then there are maybe six rungs on this ladder. And each of those rungs are kind of smaller goals that will work towards achieving the big one. But I also um, have been discussing of lately with some friends, thinking about goals in different ways in terms of like an elevator. And so on each floor, you're learning a bit more about yourself and you're shaping that vision as you get to the penthouse. And so the penthouse, you know, you might start off on the ground floor thinking the penthouse looks one way and then you get out on floor one and you learn a little bit more about yourself and uh, some of your intricate needs and some values that you haven't tapped into. And then maybe on floor two, you might meet somebody who um, opens your mindset or connects you to somebody else. And then floor three, you might plan something. Um, The 15th floor, you know, that plan could change and then suddenly the penthouse is a complete completely different vision. And so I think we need to be agile in our approach to thinking about goals and our mission. And um, a friend of mine actually sent me a really great article yesterday by Nietzsche. And he was talking about our life's presence as whether or not we are a camel, a lion or a child. And so the camel is often weighed down with everyone's expectations and they, they go the distance in a very arduous way. And the lion is a bit more ferocious, like um, 
pushing away different uh, authority mindsets and saying, actually, no, this is what I stand for and this is what I care about. And the, the reality is that the child is someone who approaches things with curiosity and doesn't really know what, where the rules are and doesn't really know where they're going, but just has this open mind to just try and to keep trying and to play and to be um, open to where life takes them. And so I invite people, yes, to set your goals, to have your ladder or to visualize, but also invite childhood curiosity, invite play. You know, Stuart Brown is a play uh, psychologist and he says that, you know, play is the stick that stirs the cocktail of life. And I love that because I think, you know, we can have our goals, but we need to play on the journey too so that it doesn't feel like when we get there we're fed up it's actually it's been incredible and we've achieved something and maybe we're happy and settled there I left Samantha feeling so invigorated and refueled. We're now stocking her brilliant book at Holly & Co. So do get a copy as it is packed full of even more brilliant insights. Every week I get the most glorious letters, packages of love and joy and messages and emails. And so I just was keen to share some of the words with you. Last week in my DMs, I received this beautiful message from the founder of the singing spice company, Sophia. Hello, Holly. Thank you so much for the amazing tea party. I watched with a massive lump in my throat and then just let the tears roll out as you read the final messages from this amazing community you have created. I messaged you a while ago with the decision I made to work alongside my business and this lockdown period and your support has finally made me realize that law or teaching are not what makes me or my children happy. What does is doing what I love, which is creating amazing curries using my organic spices and sharing my love of authentic Indian food with the world. I finally decided to quit law for good and concentrate on creating my own bespoke spice blends. And I can't wait to share them with you all. Thank you for saving me from a life of anxiety and stress. Love you loads, Sophia. Gosh, I was blown away by this message, helping people find their diamonds and giving them the courage to go for their dreams, to live a life they love is at the very center of our world at Holly & Co. It is what we all work towards day in, day out. So to receive this DM in my inbox was just amazing, especially when I went on to read more about her business and found out that the Singing Spice Company donates 10% of their profits to provide meals to to children in orphanages and deprived communities around the world. Every time I hear more about your incredible businesses and what you are giving back in this world, I just feel so utterly blessed to have such a wonderful community. Sophia, I wish you everything. I have no doubt that you made the right move. To find out more about Sophia, you can find her on Instagram at The Singing Spice Company. I hope you found the conversations this week empowering and uplifting because now is the time to run and build your dreams. As Petra Barron, founder of Curb, said many weeks ago, now is the moment. It is a level playing field out there. So there is no better time to use your superpower as a small business. Be agile and then move quickly. 
We have learned so many valuable lessons over the last few weeks, tested new muscles, and the big boys can't move fast like we can. As small businesses, you're the backbone of the UK economy, and it's not just me saying it. Roger Wade, founder of Box Park, reiterated that now is the time for small businesses to thrive. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you love this podcast, then don't miss out on Monday's episode of Conversations of Inspiration, because I have the wonderful Deborah James, also known as Bow Babe, another incredible woman who has courage at the very center of her story. And finally, before you go, you know what I'm going to ask. Can you tell everyone you know about this podcast? Because by doing so, you're helping me spread the word of these wonderful founders and inspirational people, their soulful stories as they build their businesses. And that in turn will really help conversations of inspiration. For now, though, thank you. And I'm wishing you the most wonderful rest of the week. I'd like to take this opportunity again to say thank you to NatWest Dell 3 and Royal Mail for helping us to bring this free podcast special to life. And finally, thank you to you because you're the wind beneath my wings and I want to wish you, your families and your business all the very best. Stay safe and I'm sending you all so much love. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed